1: On this freestyle Wednesday, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and you here on R920. Thank you for joining us. If you're catching us on the Raiders app or locally here on Southern Nevada's Raider Nation 920, we appreciate your time. Uh, a lot to get into in this hour. We'll talk to Sam and Ash 945. A lot to get into there, especially about the Daniel Snyder snubbing the subpoena from Congress. We'll talk about the ramifications, all that and more at 945. And have a four-pack of tickets for the Vegas Summer League. We'll give those away. At 938. But joining us now is Arash Markazi, the celebrated and very talented host of the Arash Markazi show on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio and 98.5 The Fan. And of course, the great columnist formerly of the LA Times and senior writer with ESPN Arash. Thank you so much for making time this morning. Good morning. How are you?
2: I am good. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, I, would, I appreciate your time, and I tell you what, you got to take us back to yesterday, please, because you tweeted out you were very close up to the pictures of the Rams-Lombardi Trophy and the Major League Baseball Commissioner World Series Trophy. Where were you?
2: I was at the LA um, 84 Foundation. They uh, started this foundation after the Olympic Games were here in in 1990. Uh, 19- um, in 1984, wow. so they're getting prepared here for the 28th Olympics. So, yeah, they had the uh, Super Bowl Trophy, Vince Lombardi Trophy, the Commissioner's Trophy, World Series. The Lakers' uh, trophy was not there, but the Sparks Trophy was. So, a very cool, cool day.
0: Arash, um, uh, we're going to talk football here uh, in a little bit, but uh, you know, it's 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 not too long ago, just a couple years ago, really. Uh, where the Los Angeles Lakers were hoisting uh, an NBA championship trophy, it seems like decades ago now. Uh, with everything that's going on, what's going on uh, with the Lakers, and uh, can they, in any way, be able to uh, rally it together to make themselves a relevant team uh, uh, next season? You
2: yeah, know, it's so crazy. You know, there's uh, a KCP, Kentavious Caldwell Pope was uh, you know just traded today. Kyle Kuzma's on the trade block, uh, and I kept thinking, you know, a year ago when they made that deal, I mean, that team won a championship uh, and was so tight after being in the bubble in Florida for 100 days and after going through everything that they did after the passing of of Kobe. And and so that was such a tight-knit group, and I was always amazed that they broke up that group for a trade that it really didn't make sense when it happened, And and it's a colossal failure now. And so, you know, they have to find a way to move Russell Westbrook some way, somehow. And, you know, uh, you, you talk to guys who are around that team. You know, th- their feeling is that if you cannot find a trade partner, find a way to John Wall him where you essentially just tell him, you know, don't. if, if you don't want to play defense, if you don't want to be a part of this team, don't show up because that toxicity mm-hmm. that he had uh, just permeated around that team. And there's no excuse for a team with as much talent that – that 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 they have, and I know that they were hurt. But that's a playoff team. I mean, I'm not saying that they're a championship team. So it, it it's going to be a tall task for them to um, to uh, turn things around. I do think you walk into the season with Anthony Davis if he's healthy, with LeBron James if he played like he did last season. You have a chance to compete, but they're not as good as the Warriors, the Clippers, the Celtics. I mean, they they're 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 just in my view no longer a championship contending team
1: is that because of uh, the lack of depth after you get past that front line or is there more of a philosophy change that's happened in there that uh, that they kind of have to kind of go through a spot where they hit rock bottom in order for them to go and achieve back to those heights again
2: you know i mean because when you look at when they won the championship and in and, steven um, and i mean people want to Knock them for losing in the first round to Phoenix. I mean, that team, when they were healthy, I think that team had a chance to repeat as champions. Both of those teams played great defense. Both of those teams were two of the top in the top five in defense. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the league a year ago. I don't think that's really depth. I really think it's a want. Now, they did lose some of their best defenders, they lost Caruso, which was inexcusable. There was no reason that they should have lost Caruso. Right. He wanted to stay there. He was he he was going to take less to stay there. They allowed him to walk. They lose KCP. They lose Kuzma. They lose Harrell. I mean, again, this was a very good team prior to LeBron being hurt and um and um, and, uh, and uh, Matthew Davis being hurt. That was one of the best teams in the league. So. You know the, the the problem that they have now, the pieces don't fit. They can't change anything because they're cap strapped. And uh, you know what you hope with Ham is that he can make them play defense, have them do, uh, you know, want to play defense because some of it's just want.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. It would help if Anthony Davis played more than 40 games, too. That's your 100%. defensive stopper, so uh, we'll see. If he can stay on the, on the on the court consistently, uh, that changes things uh, a little bit. Uh, Alright, uh, Arash, uh, obviously Los Angeles still is and always will be uh, a huge Raider town. Um, uh, uh, so many fans, so many Raider fans uh, living in, in, in L.A. and Southern California in general, so uh, we love to talk Raider football uh, to our, our, our uh, listeners in, in Los Angeles, and no better person to talk to than you about L.A. Um, The Raiders have made a coaching change. They brought in a new general manager. uh, They made a huge trade for a Devontae Adams. They bring in a Chandler Jones Is a team that made the playoffs last year, won 10 games, and seems to be on the cusp of maybe taking it to an entirely new level. What's the uh, level of excitement from Raider fans in L.A. about the Raiders this year?
2: Well, they're very excited and as you know, Vinny, they have uh, you know, one road game, but it's technically a home game when they come to SoFi Stadium. I'm sure you've walked around the uh, tailgates all silver and black when they come back home here to Los Angeles. And so uh, I think everyone's excited. They they made uh, the playoffs a year ago. I mean, having one of the best quarterback, wide, wide receiver combos in the league, you know, and, uh, you know, just uh, they, that team, as you know, Vinny, just dealt with so much of, uh, uh, like, away from the field i think when the focus is now just on the field and on the talent that they have i i I really think that this could team this team could surprise some people again there's a lot of people in los angeles talking about the uh, chargers and the moves that they made that being said the raiders are a team and there's no doubt about it yes the rams won the super bowl but there's something about the raiders in los angeles i mean i mean the number of fans i talked to around the city so you, talk, you ask them their top three teams. It's the Lakers, the Dodgers, and the Raiders. So they, everyone's really pumped up.
1: Arash, what about a guy like Derek Carr now going into his ninth season but not having that uh, that lingering uh, offseason where there's always you know rumors of, oh, the Raiders might be looking elsewhere for this free agent or somebody's coming up in the draft or they're going to have Marcus Mariota to compete for a starting job. All that's now been erased, and Derek Carr has got the faith and, and trust in with Josh McDaniels. Do you feel like this could be one of those years where he has a breakout performance, not only because of the new weapons around him, but because of the, uh, the stability now in this organization for him Himself.
2: I think that's huge. You know, there's something to be said for competition, but there's also something to be said when you have your coach saying you're the guy. Like, there's not going to be yeah. any competition. Uh, and, and so, when you have a coach who gives you that confidence, and you talk about a big-time quarterback, I mean, the number of uh, comebacks, fourth-quarter comebacks. I mean, he's one of the big-time players, I think, in the league. And the fact that year after year, there was always talk about maybe. You know, if it's not a trade, if, if there's a quarterback competition, now you walk into this season, the the, the team views him um, as the captain, um, as the leader of the team, and that's huge. I, I think when a quarterback like Carr, who's really proven himself on the field, gets that confidence from the coach and GM, I think you're, you're going to see him having a career year.
0: Uh, Arash, by the way, is not just uh, the man about town in Los Angeles. He's a huge uh, factor here in Las Vegas as well. Spends a lot of time in in Las Vegas, kind of his second home. Um, Arash, obviously the Raiders uh, are are, uh, building, uh, uh, making quite the footprint here in Las Vegas. It continues to grow, uh, and that's not going to change at all. This is really the perfect landing spot uh, for them. We see what's going on with the Golden Knights. Um, the the, uh, Las Vegas Aces have created their niche, and it's a beautiful niche that they have here in Las Vegas. Now there's talk uh, about the NBA potentially landing here. I don't think it's even a question of if. I think it's when. Uh, But when you think about the the Las Vegas and the NBA, what comes to mind?
2: Well, real quick, I'm going to be in Vegas tomorrow. I'll be be there for UFC, and then I'll be there a week after that for Summer League. So Vegas really is the, (laughs) the epicenter of the sports world certainly during the summer. But you and I, Vinny, both know Tim Lightwicky. You and know, when oh, Tim yeah. Lightwicky gets involved in something again, uh, you know, what he's done in Seattle, what he did here in Los Angeles, there will be an arena built there. There will be a, um, a team in Las Vegas. I think that, that you know, uh, like all the leagues around uh, the country have really seen the sports town Vegas is. And it's amazing to me still that hockey was the first professional sports league there. But I think when you look at, um, again, not too distant future, whether it's two, three years from now, every professional sports league will have a footprint there um, in Las Vegas. It's fantastic. Again, the Super Bowl is going to be there over the last couple of years. You've had the uh, Pro Bowl, the draft, the NHL All-Star Game. I mean, it's really one of the hubs of sports. So, um, again, to your point, Vinny, it's only a matter of when. It's no longer a question of if this is going
1: to happen. Well, we know how uh, Lewicki is very, very attuned to building stadiums and building arenas. He's got a great track record, but there were also names attached to that project, like LeBron James. Do you feel like, uh, you know, uh, having that kind of star power can kind of help put this in motion because there is a need for private money to come in and start building this because this is a state also that doesn't have you know any income tax or state taxes to go and build something in a public feature it takes a lot of work and you almost have to go to carson city for a special session like the raiders did years ago to get it passed is that kind of the star power that is needed to get this project going in vegas
2: I think so, and I think it was so great and so big that LeBron James put his name um, out there. I think, again, I think the worst-kept secret right now in professional sports and in basketball is there will be two teams, two expansion teams, one in Seattle, one uh, maybe in Las Vegas. And the fact that LeBron James is saying, hey, listen, if this happens in a few years, Listen, I'm going to be retired. I want to have a piece of that team and and again, having LeBron's name attached to that team in a city like Las Vegas is so huge. I mean, he'll be that Michael Jordan presence where yeah. he'll be courtside, he'll be recruiting guys and again, you know, who's to say he may not come out of retirement like Jordan and play one last year?
0: Yeah, uh, and when you have people like Tim and Mark Medane, the former Raiders president, is part of that group. Live Nation uh, is part of that. Um, those, those types of people, and they're going to build the arena. They're not building it for nothing. Uh, there's, you know, uh, there, there's... Uh, I'm sure feedback from the NBA uh, of go ahead and do it. And look, if, if you add two teams, and I think it's, like you said, Seattle and Las Vegas, you get to 32 teams. That's the even number that you're looking for. Uh, you move maybe Memphis uh, back to the East to kind of even it out, um, and and you just you 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 have a perfect league at that point. And I think two deserving markets in Las Vegas and Seattle. And it'll be nice to get the Seattle Seahawks or uh, see back as well.
2: No doubt about it. If you would have to told me 20 years ago, will there be professional sports in Las Vegas, I would be like, yes, the NBA basketball. I mean, the fact that they may, uh, uh, like as this plays out, be the last major professional sports league in Vegas, it's incredible because I think, I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. The Oakland A's, I think that's a real mm-hmm. possibility too. And I think, again, you look at the success of the Raiders, the Golden Knights, all the professional sports leagues that have come to Vegas this is a major town. I think for years and years and years, pe- people make made the mistake of thinking Vegas is just the Strip. Nah. It's not just the Strip. It's Henderson. It's Summerlin. It's North Las Vegas. South, and, 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 and again, people, it's an extension of Los Angeles. The number of fans I talk to in Los Angeles that have season tickets and enjoy making that forty-five minute flight or that four-hour drive—I mean, it's 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 huge.
1: Arash, hey, real quick, before we let you go, could you just give us some thoughts on on the Chargers? Because I wanted to think, uh, you know, in your estimation, what do you see when you observe a guy like Justin Herbert and his game, but also what it could become? We see how good it is now. But what do you think is the end game and the results after years uh, of, of what he could do behind center for an organization that really struck gold with this young quarterback?
2: No doubt about it. And I told someone, I mean, the fact that the Chargers actually have moved the needle here in Los Angeles is because of Justin Herbert. Okay. He's going to make that next big leap. Um, I mean, you know, he's in that conversation, depending on the season that he has, of being maybe one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league. And so, you know, they made some moves. They added some help on the defense. Uh, again, they have high hopes. They saw what the Rams did. And again, they need to win Los Angeles, or at least to win a piece of Los Angeles. So they're going for it all this year.
0: Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how much that uh, that 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 actually does move the needle. It's a tough if it's a tough road for them to hoe uh, in Los Angeles. You know, uh, I think USC's coming back uh with Lincoln, with Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, obviously you have the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Rams. Um, it's, it's a crowded, crowded market, but, uh, one step that they can take in the right direction, uh, is, is winning a super bowl, but you got teams like the Raiders and the chiefs and the Broncos and everyone else in the AFC, um, that are determined not to let that happen. And when you think about that AFC West, um, it's just going to be such a, um, a, a nightmare for everybody. Uh, is this the, be- are we talking about the best division in football and, and maybe in oh. sports?
2: There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's so stacked. It's not fair, to be honest. I mean, mean, there there will be a playoff championship caliber team that doesn't even make the postseason. I mean, you go to that last game of the year, which was obviously a de facto playoff game on Sunday night. And it's like both of those teams should have been in the playoffs. But, I mean, so uh, it's not fair. It is the best division, not only in football, but as you mentioned, I think in all of sports, just – I mean, like each one of those teams should be a championship contending team. They all have great quarterbacks, but I mean, there's only room for so much. So again, I like the Chargers this year, but Las Vegas, again, I think what they did. And again, if the focus is just on the field, which I think no one talks about what that team went through to do what they did, if the focus is now just on the field, I think that team could have a great season as well.
1: Arash, oh, it's great having you on. Thank you again for your time today. Really love the show. We love hearing you on uh, the Mightier 1090 and ESPN, and we appreciate uh, the few minutes you gave us here. Let's talk again down the road, maybe when the season starts, and see where we sit now.
0: Thank you so much, guys. See you. All right, thanks, Arash.
1: Uh, Arash Markazi coming into town very, very soon for UFC 276, and uh, then the next week, you know, he's bouncing back. He's like, you know, if there was ever points for part-time residents, uh, it would almost be like there's a dual residency here for (laughs) Arash because he is here so much. But it's awesome to have him in, and uh, I like what he said though because he knows that you know Los Angeles is such a great Raiders market that even Game One on the regular season schedule is a home game for the Raiders.
0: Well, the 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 Raiders play twice in Los Angeles this year too. Yes. yeah,
1: that Thursday night against the Rams. Against
0: the Rams. So uh, I already know some Rams season ticket holders who are already like, I'm just going to sell my tickets for that game because uh, they, they know what's coming. Um, it's going to be a great matchup. I actually think the Rams the Raiders have a great chance uh, to win that game. Um, and uh, so, you know, we'll see. That's a little bit later on down that year, uh, th- down the season. Right now, uh, obviously, the focus is training camp, uh, getting better day by day. But that game against the Chargers is not as far away as you might think. And uh, it's just going to be a fabulous show uh, in LA. And it's definitely going to be, especially as the season opener, um, you know, what a statement Raider fans are going to make uh, at SoFi Stadium and uh, kick, picking off right where we left off from last year's regular season, the game against the Chargers. And, you know, Arash talked about that being a playoff game. Uh, and it was. But ironically enough, all um, the Chargers had to do was not call a timeout, and they would have been in the playoffs as well.
1: That's all I had to do. I mean, that's not call the timeout. Oh, man. Do You remember when uh, Pete Carroll was coaching the Seahawks in that Super Bowl, where, you know, they get intercepted at the goal line, right? And he said afterwards, like, I didn't leave my bedroom for a month. Yeah. In fact, I spent a whole week just kind of like sitting in my closet because I didn't even want to like see, hear, or do anything. And to think, like, what could be going through Staley's mind and that staff to think how close they were just to, like, nudge into the playoffs because they had everything sitting up for them on a tee as if they were going to go golfing.
0: Yeah, and uh, he calls a timeout, which I still to this day don't know why he did that. Uh, He's since come out and said, I don't know why that's the big, uh, you know, uh, why there's so much focus on that. Well, it, it literally... The Raiders were content with, all right, we'll just let their clock run out. That's fine. Um, we'll both, th- go, both go to the playoffs. It's not the greatest scenario. But, hey, we're both in the playoffs. We've secured that. Um, let's just go uh, pack it up and, and go live to see another week. But then they gave him a chance with a timeout. And they're like, well, if you're going to do that, then we're going to kick the field <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What are we going to do? All right, then thank you. We'll, we'll we'll do that. And Daniel Carlson booted it through. And, and the Raiders went to the playoffs and the, and the Chargers didn't. And um, that's on the head coach. Uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I'm sure he's learned his lesson. I'm sure if the same exact situation, which, you know, uh, it's a million to one that it'll ever come down to that exact situation again. But, you know, uh, hopefully for the Chargers, uh, he, he has learned his lesson in, in a few different ways. But if you're a Raider fan, you hope not, to be perfectly frank. Uh, you hope that uh, the coach uh, is still um, stubborn enough to make some decisions that actually hurt his team
1: and uh, back to that Rams game that Thursday night game in LA against the Rams uh the Rams are going to be coming off a game home game against Seattle and then the next game after the Raiders game is at the Packers so they have not only a divisional you know opponent before they face the Raiders but at the Packers that is something that they're probably looking more at because that's going to be about seeding and NFC supremacy
0: the Rams are in Green Bay the week that the, the the week of the uh, or the, the week after the week
1: after the Thursday night game
0: oh yeah but still that's like how many days away that would be like uh, almost a, that would be over a week who do they play who do they play right before that right? Seattle Seattle at home um, mm-hmm. and that's traditionally a tough uh, a tough hard nosed football team so you're going to be physically um, Spent after that Seattle game, Pete Carroll is going to make you play a physical football game. So um, the, the the turnaround from that game for the Rams to uh, to Thursday night against the Raiders. Who did the Raiders play the, that that uh,
1: particular week? Uh, Chargers beforehand and afterwards. It's the uh, Sunday night game against the Patriots.
0: No, 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 no. Uh, prior to that, the, the, who are the what game are the Raiders coming off of? Who do they play Sunday? Home against the Chargers. They play the Chargers, then mm-hmm. they play the Rams.
1: Yep, and then wow. uh, ten days later, Sunday night against. Uh, The Patriots at home.
0: That's a tough, uh, both L.A. teams, uh, right back-to-back.
1: It's it's an interesting schedule. Uh, The look-aheads there are fascinating because it makes you wonder how the teams will be by the time December rolls around. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more calls on the other side. 702-365-9200 is the Realty One Group listener line. And we'll also uh, hear from Sam and Ash at 945. And before then, give you a chance to win those four-packs to the Vegas Summer League. All that and more on the Morning Tailgate.
3: Yeah, uh, what I admire about coach McDaniels um, is this ability to demand the respect of people in the room. And uh, when you're a coach, especially a head coach at that, um, that's a very good characteristic to have. And uh, one thing people, you know, do know, but it's not magnified enough is that Josh has an experience. Um, you know, he's been to about nine Super Bowls and he's won six. And people don't realize that. And I'm, I'm not here to toot up his horn, but I'm tooting his horn. Um, that credited to a lot of the reason why I went to Las Vegas. Uh, also, besides to play with uh, Max Crosby and and having, uh, being familiar with the front office. But uh, Josh McDaniels is a hell of a guy. Um, he demands that respect. And I think that's a very great character to have as a head coach.
1: Raider Nation Radio in the morning tailgate on a Freestyle Wednesday. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor. Sam and Ash will join us at 945, but we have time for your calls from the Realty One Group listener line at 702-365-9200. Chandler Jones on the way back talking about the McDaniels approach and what he loves about what's happening here. And I think he sees that, you know, the kind of like the detail-oriented approach where you're doing a lot of the principles that make you efficient and make you better. Have now come over again, but also there's getting a, a, an extra nuance to it because Josh is able to do this free reign. Josh is able to do this without being held back by any constraints by someone else's principles. It's his time to go and take charge of that. And I think his identity now is starting to prevail in ways that, you know, you had not seen it before because the buy in has happened so quickly. It makes you wonder, like, what else could be done in just a few more months?
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we've talked about this a lot. He's going from being an assistant, somebody that makes significant. Suggestions uh, to the head coach. Uh, obviously, as the offensive coordinator, he had a lot of leeway and a lot of power, really, uh, to to dictate certain things. But ultimately, it was somebody else who made the final decision on a lot of on a lot of decisions. He's now the, the decision maker. Um, so, you know, you're definitely gonna gonna see that now in any job like if you when you go from being an assistant to the manager assistant manager to manager whatever you know pecking order you want to you want to put it on when you are in charge when you get that chance to be in charge um, you're you're obviously going to going if you if you respected who you worked for previously and um, and 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 it was a, a winning and and productive uh, type of an environment. You're gonna take some of that to your to to your next endeavor, especially as you're in charge. However, there's always times it's just human nature where you're sitting back thinking, man, if I had the chance, mm-hmm. if this was me. I wouldn't have gone in that direction. Like, I would have done something differently. Can't wait for me to get my opportunity to do it a little bit differently. Um, And so you're going to get Josh McDaniel's spin on things now that he's in charge. It's it's inevitable, um, and I think that's a healthy thing. It's not that he didn't respect where he was previously, uh, but we all have that in our minds when we ascend to a position of power. Like, man, if I had the chance to make that call, this is what I would have done. And when I get my opportunity, that's what I'm going to do.
1: 702 365 9200 is the number of the Realty One Group listener line. And let's get out there. Out to Kentucky. High in the hill in Louisville. It's 502 Raider D. Good morning to you, sir.
3: Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, I I, I listened to this show. I remember when you know, I was pushing Clay in the very beginning. And I was there from that. Uh-huh. And it was such a blessing for me as a fan, being 43 years of my life, to have something like this an outlet. So this morning I'm listening. This gentleman calls me in. And I guess he calls himself getting on Vinny. And I'm thinking to myself, Vinny's a big guy. He doesn't need me to take up for him. He's a grown ass man. But <laughs> I decided to call anyway because let me tell you something. I, I learned a long time ago, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the radio nation with a with a with something, and I want everybody to listen. There's a phrase that says that facts do not care about your feelings, and let that sink in for the people who's listening. And this is a fact. Hmm. A what we're doing right now is based off of the Patriot way. You don't, you don't have to like it. I don't like the Patriots no more than anybody else does. I understand what happened with the whole deflating the footballs and what happened in that game. I was there. I had people in my house. I had the whole line going on. But what I understand is this. The, the Patriots were the most dominant team in the Super Bowl era. Not One thing I've learned to do is this. When I argue with people now, I argue with facts. Otherwise, you'd just be an ignorant. They've been the most dominant team in the Super Bowl era, era. that's fact. Josh McDaniels had an opportunity to coach, and he failed his first time out, just like Bill Belichick, who is, whether I like him or not, is the greatest coach that I've ever seen, personally, in my 53 years on this planet. If we could take anything from them to make us better, think about Al Davis, just win, baby. I didn't care how you won. Mm-hmm. If you broke some toes, you punched somebody, you poked somebody in the eyeball, it didn't make a difference. I don't give a damn what we have to do, but if we can have that success, it is the new way to way. Yes, exactly. Every time, every, every time another – and people don't realize this, too. When different coaches come in, your base philosophy of your history may be the same, but their philosophy changes because the team takes on the philosophies of their head coach and people that run an organization. And we need to understand this. Get your feelings out of it. Stop being, you hear the word patriot, and you want to cringe and, and get angry with everybody. I don't give a damn what you call it. Yes, if, I can have six, if I can have six people bones, you can call it whatever the hell you want to. I'll take the six range, baby. Yeah, and, and, and so, go ahead. Go ahead. No no, you, no, 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 go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and you're making a great point. And, and all I'm saying is, Uh, Those those attributes that are coming here, the adaptability, the intelligence, the uh, uh, emphasis on hard-nosed, intelligent, efficient football, those are qualities when I hear them. I mean, I get excited hearing about things like that, especially the part about this. Um, and I want your thoughts on this. The, the 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 part about not being stubborn, being adaptable, being flexible, being able to go from game to game and do things a little bit differently to beat that week's opponent, not just beating your head up against the wall because you're stubborn trying to do it your way.
3: I'm going to tell you the intelligent thing you just said. That once again, don't just listen to the show, Raiders fans. Listen to the show. Let's not what you just said. John Gruden did things one way. That was just who he was. That's just, you know, you're going to do it this way. We're going, to make, we're going to bend them to make them do what we want to do. The one very unique thing about Josh, which makes him so brilliant, and the one brilliant thing about our defensive coordinator, is that it, you, you're not going to be able to tell what we're going to do. It's going to change week to week on offense. It's going to change week to week on defense. And when you can adapt, you can bend. The will of the other team because they're not going to have a damn clue what's going on. You may change quarter to quarter. You may change play to play. Where they're just like, what, "What's going on right now?" Yep. And and having that adaptability is what's going to win us Super Bowls. So everybody, pumps your brakes, and you guys just and, and I, I'm not trying to be long winded, but but let's say, but this because I heard him say this too. I know you. I know you've been. You're from New York. You guys came from different teams. Everybody grew up with a different team, and you know, being a fan of different, and they may still be the fan. But the truth is this. I probably have learned more from listening to you guys talk in the last year, two years that I've been listening to these shows, these different shows, and things, and reading articles and stuff that you said in the paper for the journal. Then I've learned almost dang near my whole life about my team, about what's going on currently with the team. About so you guys work for our team now. Show the, the fans need to show you guys the respect that you deserve right now. Whether you've been a fan your whole life or not, it doesn't matter. You are fans now. You work for the team. You work for us as far as giving us this information and rooting for this team. Show that respect. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, fans and all. But be respectful of it, man. It, it, what, what, what Vinny's saying is very much what he just got to saying just now. Is this is based off of the Patriots' philosophy. It is the new right away, but based off of the Patriots' philosophy, because just, our coach has been there for 20 years or 18 years or whatever it was that he's been there. So just respect it, man. Show the love, man. Raider Nation for life.
1: Oh, 502 Raider D. Thank you, man. It. I appreciate it. I love it when you call in, man. Thank you very much for your time, man. I hope you have a great weekend. Let's do it again soon. 502 Raider D from Louisville. Awesome stuff. And hey, one more call before the break. Uh, let's get out to uh, Minnesota. Andrew's been waiting patient, Or Anthony's been waiting patiently. Anthony, go ahead with your question. Thank you for waiting.
4: Hey, guys. Thank you. A couple questions, a couple comments real quick. First, I want to thank you and Benny for the show. I grew up in the Bay Area, and KGO Radio did a really good job back in the 70s with the Raiders and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and and the ticket kind of went there a little bit, too. But ever since you guys, they've come to Vegas, you know, they have the market. But I want to thank you all. I don't agree with Benny all the time with what he says, but I want to tell you, Benny, I respect your insight and your work effort, and I appreciate all the things you do, both of you. And so saying that, i got a couple questions. First question about that is, like, I know you made the move to the morning time here. not sure why that happened or what that's about, if it's permanent or not. It's just a new way of kind of radio where there's three of you guys talking now, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But kind of maybe look for some insight on that. And then also, you know, I've been excited for this Raider team since the midpoint of last year. A little bit concerned about the third year in a row, maybe losing going on, a, on a deep dive there again. But, they, but for, the, for the first time in 20-something years, I felt like they could come back and win a game. And it didn't have to be Carr scoring the last drive it could be the Raiders holding it down on the defense. Yeah. With that being said, you mentioned a lot about, you know, Carr doing really well with a two minute drive, this and that. And and I, I know it's a different day and age, but why why not let someone like Carr be more like someone like Staber where he called his own place. If Carr is so smart, I've it's been alluded to he has this memory like nothing else and he knows the systems he learns. I just kinda wanna get your insight into why that. Oh. So the question about this show and the question about why not turn the car eight years plus in the league. Mm-hmm. And if he does so well in two or four-minute drill, let's let him do the whole show. But
1: oh, wow, that's a that's a great thought, Anthony. Thank you for that. That's a fascinating thought because I, I, how much do we really know of how much he calls his own plays at I,
0: all? Well, um, uh, there, there's definitely a collaboration. And mm-hmm. when you put those two football minds together, Derek Carr, uh, Josh McDaniels, you're going to get a really good game plan from week to week. When you're talking about play calling, that's Josh McDaniels. Um I think football is so complex now um you have so many different sub packages so many different looks um you know personnel groupings all of those types of things I don't think it's it would be um you know all that productive to just put it in the hands of your quarterback uh, those days I think are over, but there are audibles that happen, and and you know at the end of the day, your last line of defense trying to get you into uh, a better play is always going to be your quarterback because he's ultimately going to see things uh, at the uh, at the line of scrimmage. Now keep in mind, uh, up until 15 seconds on that on the on the play call the play caller, and this in this case, Josh McDaniels, is going to be in Derek Carr's ear. He walks him, right? I mean, they're talking at the line of scrimmage, and then there's a cutoff time when it hits 15 seconds, and then uh, the quarterback takes it from there. Uh, but when you're talking about audibles, most quarterbacks will tell you this. Look, I'm not trying to get us into the perfect play. Um, if I audible, it's more to get us out of a bad play. Yes. Against that mm-hmm. look. Um, so, you know, if you notice that somebody's blitzing uh, and you're on a seven-step uh, call, well a blitz you know uh, when you when you're anticipating pressure like that a seven-step drop is not going to is not the right call to have against you know a, an oncoming blitz. So now you have to switch to something more of a three-stop or a hot read type of a thing, uh, where you're getting the ball out a lot quicker, or maybe call, you know uh, 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 go into a run play in that situation. So you have a set of plays that you know based on what your personnel grouping is, because a lot of it's going to be predicated on who's on the field with you at that particular time, um, and and some offsets too. That particular play that's called, especially when you see something along the line, you know, on the other side of the line of scrimmage that makes you say – This is not a good play for what we're seeing. We got to get out of this play.
1: I agree. Great point on that because, uh, and also, it's a great illustration because the defenses that were back then in those eras were probably easier to go and uh, you know finance your way or finagle your way down the field. It was basically
0: the same eleven guys every every play.
1: Yeah, it it wasn't the kind of uh, guessing game you see now with all the multiple strategies. But great thought, Anthony. I'm glad you called in and get stuff out of Minnesota. Hey, uh, we got to step aside. Sam and Ash come up next here on Raider Nation Radio. We'll talk to Sam and Ash about the. uh, a subpoena from Congress for Daniel Snyder and all that's been surrounding the commander's Commander-in-Chief. All that and more coming up next. It's Raider Nation Radio. Vinny, Clay, and Heidi. It's time for... Sam and Ash Street Legal here on Raider Nation Radio every Wednesday at this time. Give them a call, 702 820 1234, and go online, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash Law also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And joining us now is Ash from Sam and Ash. Good morning. How
5: are you? I'm great. How are you, Clay?
1: I'm very fine. Thank you, and thank you for coming on. You know, i got to ask you these questions. It's, it's hilarious because <laughs> the the conundrum that's happening for the NFL is widespread, and one of them is their owner, Daniel Snyder of the Washington Commanders, is now refusing to accept the subpoena that was issued last week because they have a hearing going on, and they want to hear from him instead of the ancillary figures like Commissioner Goodell and everyone else. He has still refused a subpoena to appear before the Oversight and Reform Committee. How do you think that w- plays in? Because if you decline invitation to speak, speak. What are the legal ramifications and does law enforcement ever get involved when it comes from Congress?
5: Well, so first things first, to be clear here, his attorney has refused to accept service of a subpoena. A subpoena is one of these documents. It's like a lot of court documents where it Technically, needs to be personally served on you. Someone's got to walk up to be as strong as possible, walk up to you, and say you've been served. In certain Uh, situations, though, you can try and bypass that personal service procedure, especially with professionals, because it's somewhat embarrassing. You can go to their lawyer and say, "Hey, will you accept service on behalf of your client, Dan Snyder, of this subpoena for him to come testify in front of Congress?" Here, Dan Snyder's lawyer is out of town, so he goes, "Look, I, I." think it's actually a she she's like i can't make that hearing date so i cannot accept service of this document but here are some alternative dates Ah, i anticipate this all being resolved the subpoena eventually being served and accepted by either dan snyder or his lawyer and him testifying before congress
1: so, um, how powerful is the summons in of itself? Because does it, is it something that, you know, you can't avoid? Because I remember, uh, not too long ago, it was, oh, actually it was like 20 years ago when the, when the house committee wanted to take a look at steroids and baseball and they were, they were bringing in uh, a lot of people, a lot of folks like uh, they wanted to decline to speak. They wanted to see how far they could go until, you know, something really happened. I just want to know, like, what is the umbrella of enforcement to bring that to, to fruition, to bring somebody into the committee? And, and by the time, uh, Dan Snyder is a Will the committee still be, you know, uh, in, you know, invening? Will they still be in uh, in session?
5: Yeah. So of course, if Dan Snyder's attorney accepts service of this subpoena, he will need to show up. If he doesn't, he'll be held in contempt of Congress, and that's punishable by a fine or I think it's up to a year in jail. So that okay. it's not good. And so here in this situation, the whole reason behind this investigation by con- Congress is. What happened with Dan Snyder's team, he's going to have to testify. This is about figuring out facts, whether or not Congress needs to make any type of legislation to prevent this type of work environment in the NFL or similar professional leagues in the country. Uh, So I see Dan Snyder's testimony is very relevant and very unlikely that he will get out of Sitting before Congress,
1: the work environment, the work conditions of sexual harassment, all the way to intimidation—that—that uh, uh, that has been part and parcel ever since Snyder apparently has taken over the Washington football team years ago, and almost to the present day that it continues on. This is a this is a big problem for the Oversight Committee. They want answers, and they have heard uh, testimony from everyone else, but they have to hear from him. It, it all comes to him, and he knows that is—is is the waiting game the best possible thing for him, or is this just something that you know? and an inevitability that'll happen and whenever it does, uh, Snyder's going to have to pay the price.
5: Well, Snyder is ultimately going to have to sit before Congress and answer answer their questions. Right now, what I believe is going on is Snyder and his attorney are looking over all of the testimony and all the transcripts that have already taken place and are preparing for what his questions will look like, what answers he will give, because it's going to be very, very telling about what happened, what took place, what his involvement was. And so I think behind the closed doors right now, there's a lot of preparation going on between Snyder and his legal team. Uh, for this this actual hearing, this testimony he's going to give.
1: Uh, we're speaking with Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law, SalmonashLaw.com. They appear every Wednesday at 945 here on Raider Nation Radio in the morning tailgate. Go online, SalmonashLaw.com. More on Daniel Snyder, though. Th- what I love about some of the stuff that comes out was uh, that uh, some of like the, I don't know, very infantile responses that Snyder has had with other Uh, owners in in professional sports, like the Nationals owner. Uh, You know, it's funny that Mark Lerner and and Snyder got into a bit of a dispute in which, you know, Snyder felt like uh, he was on the short end of a business transaction. I'll I'll, I'll preface that. But it, it was one in which an employee from Daniel Snyder talked about how Snyder wanted him and ordered him to pour milk on the floor in Lerner's suite at FedEx Field so it would produce that foul, sour milk smell every time the executive uh, appeared at a game. <laughs> you know, I just love that because, uh, you know, sour milk is something that can never get out of the carpet. You know what I mean? Like, once it's in the fibers and in the padding, it's there forever. You almost have to replace the whole thing. Um, well, over the years, you've dealt with, uh, you know, uh, billionaires and corporations. Have you ever been, uh, like, surprised by any of the stuff that sometimes it becomes, like, teenager tactics of how they really interact? So they may be high, lofty positions, making, uh, you know, huge million-dollar salaries, but yet, in the end of the day they act like children
5: yeah but though, i would i'm gonna push back and say those billionaires and high powered professionals aren't the most successful or aren't being as successful as they could be because it's very short-sighted mm. this type of childish childish game is silly i'm it, he did it at his own stadium at fedex field so it's not like he went into the nationals ballpark and and dumped sour milk that would be a little different you know t- tarnish someone else's property but here he's doing it to his own stadium and all Lerner would have to do is say yeah i want to move my suite yeah exactly uh, so i mean <laughs> this is just silly and if it's true which I believe this is so absurd I wouldn't suspect anyone is making it up and you know remember the more you hear cases and stories like this the more we all tend to believe them and so I look it's not good for Dan Snyder and I would anticipate him trying to get out sooner rather than later if he knew what was good for him
1: it's ash from salmon ash injury laws 820 area code available in both Nevada and California okay I gotta ask you this question because I've always wondered this myself Oliver Tree uh, performing on stage. He was uh, uh, at the Forgotten Runes NFT convention in New York. Someone out of the crowd made it on stage and tried to put their hat on his head, and he responded with violence. You know, you're just too close for comfort. You never know who's going to be on stage with you, especially when they pop out of the crowd. And um, you know what? The guy got uh, smoked. He got, he, he got his ass kicked. Uh, what happens when that goes down? Can a fan actually sue for getting beaten up by Oliver Tree or any performer they go up on stage with?
5: Yeah, I mean, they can sue, if they get injured, they jump up on stage, they get injured because Oliver Tree, I'm not quite sure who this guy is, I'm learning as I read these articles, but if he got injured (laughs) and the video shows the force was totally unreasonable for what was going on, yeah, you could try and bring the case, depending on where it took place, what the laws are, a jury's not going to like seeing someone jumping up on stage, it's it is very uncomfortable these artists especially in light of will smith and chris rock they're afraid of what people do when they get on stage i mean who was it recently dave chappelle a guy got on stage with a knife and it had to be tackled at the hollywood bowl so these artists do fear for their lives right now when they're on stage and so i would see this as being a reasonable reaction and if it did come forward oliver tree would probably sue security for their failure to act, because it, the guy was up there a while before the before Oliver had to step in and take him down.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, he was trying to figure out who Oliver Tree was as well, uh, so it took him a while before it registered. But you know that. Uh, after that Angels and Mariners brawl that happened on Sunday afternoon, did you catch any of that? That, that just kind of like rolled around all over the dugouts? Um, you know, re- yeah. I went down to YouTube and I went to go back and look at other brawls that have happened over the years because I, I really enjoyed that and uh, there was there were <laughs> fans that would get out on the field and and players would tackle and, and, and just crush these fans that would come out to try to steal like you mm-hmm. know, a base or a helmet or something like that and I've often thought that you know, baseball tries to go over and above like they have it on the back of your ticket, don't go on the field, and before every game, they mention it. They do like a verbal mention over the loudspeakers, making it very conspicuous, saying, Don't go on the field because you will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But does that help them also from uh, avoiding lawsuits when somebody does get on the field and they get tackled by a player? So they don't get sued.
5: Yeah, ultimately what you're looking at is whether the MLB and these stadiums recognize a risk or a place where fans are likely and have continued to get on the field and what the response is. And so that's why you see so many security guards at the base of those stairwells Toward the field. Yes, it's because they're there Mm -hmm. specifically to stop anyone from running on the field. Can they stop everyone? No. Um, But ultimately, you know, there's a balance of fan enjoyment, because you don't want to put up nets all the way around the field. (laughs) So it's always a balancing act. But I, I don't see the MLB being at fault for anything like that.
1: Ash, I'm glad you came on. Thank you again for your time today. What do you got cooking for this weekend? I mean, it's a July 4th where you can go and kick back. What is the best thing you want to do this weekend as you have a little extended time?
5: I want to celebrate America with a good hot dog and right. hamburger on a barbecue, maybe a cold beer or two or three, I don't know, and see some fireworks, right? Yes. What else is there?
1: I, I could see you with uh, the bowl <laughs> of pico de gallo, you know, with the chips, you know, just uh, you're know, enjoying it by yourself. But at the same time, are you going to be that kind of person that's going to be like, you're putting ketchup on that bratwurst? Yeah, yeah, it's only oh. it's only mustard only on the hot dogs. Don't be that guy. Don't be that person, Ash.
5: Look, I, I won't judge you <laughs> verbally, out loud. Right? I might internally, but I grew out of ketchup on a hot dog when I was maybe like 20, 19. <laughs> I don't know. And son- suddenly mustard was the, th- the way to go. So- you do you, enjoy it, celebrate however you do, but um hope everyone has a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. I, th-
1: I thank you for looking past my ketchup on the hot dog. <laughs>
5: Anything. <laughs> I'm still holding
1: you. on to my Cro-Magnon days. Thank you, Ash. Have a great weekend. <laughs> you
5: too.
1: <laughs> Tham and Ashlaw.com and 702-820-1234 is the number, both available in Nevada and in California. We're out of time. Rich Eisen is next here on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, Heidi. Should be back tomorrow with Vinny my, myself. We can't wait to have Heidi back. The three amigos, one more time, here on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks again for listening. You can get all our podcasts up at iTunes, Amazon, and Audible, and at lvsportsnetwork.com. For Vinny and Heidi, I'm Clay Baker. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.